Greetings, this is David Thompson. Today is June the 28th of 2014 on Saturday, approximately at 2.55 in the afternoon. This is the first of a new ministry in the Word of God that is by audio and that is almost every day of the week except Sunday where I only meditate in the Word of God for somewhere between 15 minutes and a half an hour and then write a brief summarization of the chapter that God has led to as to what is being said in that chapter and what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us. So basically what I will do is I will read the chapter and then I will read this summarizing paragraph that states basically what is being said in that chapter. So in a sense, it's a summary of every of the main points within the chapter. And then I will share whatever the Holy Spirit might want to share to the body of Christ. And I will seek to speak as the oracles of God, not uh, by trying to just have a nice outline. I don't have anything. Just what I have in this brief time. So today I received Titus chapter 3, the last chapter of Titus, so we will begin to read that now. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works, these things are good and profitable unto men. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself, when I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus, be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. Bring Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. All that are with me salute thee, Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. 
Now I will read the summarization of what is being said in this chapter to give greater understanding to the chapter. We are to be in submission to the present powers of government in this world and not to speak derogatory of them, even when they lead with foolishness or injustice. We do this out of recognition of the greatness of God's mercy to us that have been saved from our evil and foolish life. God's mercy that saved us did this by the word of God, revealing our sin to us so that it could be washed away through repentance and allow our life to be regenerated back to the way it was created to be before the fall of Adam and Eve. In the continuance of this process, that is a process of regeneration through the washing of the word, that is the word exposing sin and us repenting and having it washed away through the blood of Christ. And there I'm adding a bit more than I have in the paragraph. There is the continuance of this process also. In the continuance of this process, a constant renewing with the fresh infilling of the Spirit of God or of the Holy Spirit. As such, we should not allow ourselves to get into a mind and heart set with others that displays judgment and does not show mercy, considering the mercy that God's shown to us, which again I've added. For example, we should not be seeking or having arguments with others about issues that are minor because they hold no bearing that has lasting value and does not profit others. These are contentious issues, opinions that are not significant. Added comment. In fact, people that are opinionated over such minor issues divide the body of Christ and are called heretics. If they refuse your reproof after the second time, reject them as the body of Christ, because this gives evidence that there is unrepentant sin in their life, and we are not to condone sin. Again, that's an Adam comment at the end. <clears throat> in this passage of Scripture, we see that there is an understanding of submission to authority. Now that submission to authority is not a blind submission to authority. If authorities are asking us to do things that are in disobedience to the word of God, it would be sin to obey that authority. That is obvious and self-evident because God will not condone any sin. The reason that we are in submission even to those in authority that are evil, that are unjust, that are tyrants. The reason we still show respect to them and refuse to speak in a derogatory way or out of a wrong heart of judgment that doesn't show mercy is because we have come to recognize who God is in our own lives. And how does that happen? It happens in initial conversion, but initial conversion or rebirth, as it's known by many believers, 
that is being brought forth in you by the Spirit of God to be filled with God's being of love and motivated by God's being of love rather than our own destructive, self-worshipping, rebellious being that has now been replaced by a new nature in our inner being that is growing and replacing the old. How is it that in that process, there is a gaining of proper heart and mindset in relations with others, where there is respect even shown to those that are difficult or even to those that illfully treat us and including those in authority over us, whether it's in our workplace or even the president of our country. Um, for example, let's say you're in the United States. How do we properly uh, deal with the injustice that are, injustices that may be happening in the government at this particular time that we see so obvious and prevalent and outrageous? All of these things come out of what happened in initial conversion. And what happened in initial conversion was we came to the place where we chose to perceive God for who he truly is, which is basically what the fear of God is. It is a choice to reverence God. But far more than that, to recognize it is only out of a genuine recognition of who God is, that there can be a genuine recognition with total reverence that is pure, total response that is pure in our heart, that is has a heart that is genuinely receptive to the being of God. So basically here I want to share this, that the being of God is perfect love. But this love has two aspects to it. Yes, God's love. What is love? Well, love that I'm talking about is in the Greek, the three types of love, as many believers know. The highest form of love described in the New Testament is agape love. Certainly, it can involve emotion, but its main definition is that it is a quality that is transcendent over feelings to be able to always choose the highest good. And God's love, agape love, is perfect. It is always and always has chosen the highest lasting good over any more immediate choice of fulfillment. But this love, for it to be truly the genuine being of God, has integrity. And the love of God has such integrity because it is totally pure that it is indeed a blazing fire of judgment against the slightest thought, word, or deed that is contrary to his love. God will never condone what is contrary to his love. Or he would begin to take on in his being what is destructive and therefore could not contain unlimited power and unlimited life or and possibly have been the source of unlimited everlasting life and power. It is because God 
has integrity and his love or is holy. This is the defensive aspect of the love of God that I am talking about, a love that is so pure. And it is when people begin to recognize through the emptiness of their own lives as the, like the prodigal son of that void that they've been trying to fulfill through their own self-projections of the way they want to live their life and through that also projecting their own image of God that justifies their rebellious ways against God. They have come to see the emptiness and the deception through the consequences of their choices that have cornered them to a place of either hardening their heart in total rebellion against God or coming to the place where that hardness is broken and they choose to recognize that the only one they want to trust is what is ultimately trustworthy because they are sick and tired of all the deceptions of their own heart and of those around them. And they've come to the point where they're hungry for only what is absolutely real, that has no deception in it. And this can only be in a quality that is ultimately trustworthy. And that can only be possible in a love that has this integrity, that is the holiness of God. And so it is in the recognition of the holiness of God that people come to the place where they choose to receive that recognition of who God is and become desperate. Now, if it was just the recognition of the holiness of God, that would not be enough. It is that this love, because of this foundation of holiness or total purity of love, has the foundation to be creative to the point that God can show mercy through perfect substitutionary sacrifice, which could only possibly be found in God himself and not in some mere creature. And so it is in the recognition of the integrity of God's love that is therein able to be transcendent with the power to provide mercy that there is the choice or the right recognition of God which is the genuine fear of God that causes one to cry out from a true heart and recognize their need of God and their need of his mercy and cry out like the publican that Christ described, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And it is out of that that there is the genuine rebirth, the genuine circumcision of the heart. And without the genuine fear of God, it is not possible to genuinely be brought forth in you of the Spirit of God because if you don't recognize your need of the mercy of God, how could you possibly call on him to save you? And you cannot recognize the mercy of God without first recognizing the integrity of his love. That is the holiness of God. And so it is coming to this place that people come to a point where there's a genuine heart cry and a genuine circumcision in the heart that breaks the hardness and allows the life of his spirit to enter in because there is soft soil in which the life of God can enter. And it is this process that is an ongoing process because the word of God says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. And so it is an ongoing process 
that we go through of transformation, but the divine seed, the new nature, is initiated by that first choice of recognizing and receiving who God is into our heart in his holiness and in his transcendence of mercy that is only possible in God himself as has been solely and only revealed in the fact that God humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, and suffered more than you, a mere creature, because he loved you so much so that you could be repent and be forgiven and reconciled to God. And this has been the message that has been preached from the time of Adam and Eve until now, that there is one God, that he is holy and transcendent in that holiness in mercy to provide forgiveness, that it's within God alone that there is forgiveness. And they recognize that from the time of Adam and Eve till now. Many verses in the Old Testament say, such as there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. When they put their hands on the innocent animal sacrifice and that was a representation of their sin being placed on that lamb, they still recognized that the source of forgiveness wasn't in the sacrifice but in God. And they realized that it could never fully represent them or satisfy their disobedience because it did not have a soul like theirs. And so there are many of the prophets from the time of the very beginning that recognized God as the source of their salvation. Of course he is. He's the source of creation itself. And the only one that could have the moral capacity to possibly be a perfect atoning sacrifice. And that was ultimately manifested in Jesus Christ who came in the center of history so that you, could be reconciled to God. Whether you were one that repented before Christ or after Christ, people were born of the Spirit of God when they called on him. For Christ says that you know him for he dwells with you, and he said this before he died on the cross. You know him for he dwells with you, but he shall dwell in you after I have died. Basically, I'm ad-libbing it, but that's basically what that verse says. And I don't mean to get into too much detail here, but to say this, when our fist of rebellion or our hard heart comes to the place where it gives up and it opens up to the recognition of who God is as an open hand, it is receptive to the being of who God is. And then the Spirit of God comes to dwell with us. And it's like another open hand coming against our, into our open spirit or soul. And so now we have the symbol of two hands together in prayer. This represents a seed as well. The new divine nature that John talks about in 1 John where he says, and whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And so when our spirit opens up, it opens up in surrender and trust to what is only perceived by us at that point is ultimately trustworthy. And that is this love that has such integrity and yet can be transcendent in mercy. And therein comes the reception of his spirit into our being in a new divine nature. And so now we continue a process of going on as we've received Christ Jesus. So that this new 
nature. And so there's ongoing repentance. As deception is exposed in our life and our mind is renewed and our soul is renewed and gradually that seed grows and replaces the oldness of our soul and our spirit and the oldness of our thinking with a new transformed nature. And so we see in this passage that this is described as the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, which comes how well it says in this passage of Scripture, first, by recognizing and receiving the mercy of God. It says, according to his mercy, he saved us. That's the first thing. And then the process out of receiving that mercy is the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which I just described as this new nature. But there's the ongoing process of being renewed with the infilling of the Holy Spirit as repent as we learned to break our hearts before God. God is saying to the body of Christ, it is time for you to come into the secret place and learn to abide in the secret place of the Most High. This is the place where you learn to be still and to know that he is God. This is the place where you learn to be in awe of God, so that the hardness that collects around your heart through the busyness and the swirl of life can be brought to the place where there's brokenness in our heart that breaks the hardness up and allows the soft ground to be there to receive the beautiful soft rain of his presence. And it says that his doctrine shall distill as the dew, and that is the reflection of revelation of who God is being renewed as well. And that's what that speaks of, the Jew reflected by the light, in our, which is a picture of the distilling of his presence that brings great and refreshed revelation to us and identity. But it involves spending time, quality time, learning to wait on God and be still, learning also to pray and be fervent and pray in the Spirit each day, learning to abide in the vine. When we have this attitude, there is absolute reverence and honor. We are not people that move in presumption or in triviality or in hype or emotionalism. We come out of humility and we learn that it is out of that that we ascend into liberty and in praise and expression and joy. But many now have it backwards, even in the church. We're so quick to be presumptuous and to be filled with joy. But the joy is filled with a lot of self because we have not learned as the body corporately to start our meetings on our faces in humility before God, learning to be still and to know he is God, learning to humble ourselves. And out of that, let there be the ascension of liberty and praise. And so God is saying by his spirit, receive my name fully in the secret place that your my name may rise up in you to be all that I am in you so that you can ascend in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and speak in the spirit of prophecy with authority and power as you go forth into the world to conquer for my name's sake in this last hour and to reap the harvest in this last hour. And so God is calling us as the body of Christ. When we recognize who God is and continue to grow in this recognition, through prayer, through waiting on him, we will also learn to have respect even unto those that are evil and to show them love 
and mercy as God has shown it to us and to show it to one another. We will not have a denominational mindset as individuals that causes us to be divisive toward others. Rather, we will be those that have great humility and mercy and compassion on our brothers and sisters, where even if they are a diamond in the rough that is difficult to deal with, we will learn to love one another. The word of God says that we're not to be divided over non-profitable issues, but rather to be filled with good works. Good works come out of a motivation of relationship with God that sees the mercy of God and goodness of God to us and is impelled by that same love to show mercy to others in good works. God showing us creative things that we can do to be a blessing to our brothers and sisters and those around us rather than making divisions over doctrines that have just become a shell of intellect rather than the reality and essence of revelation of which they are to be issued out of in our embracing of doctrine. We don't reject doctrine. Christ said, if any man do his will, he will know the doctrine, whether it is a God or not. The doctrine that is of God is the doctrine that leads on to godliness and that points towards God being our source that does not lift up man. But it says in this passage that we're to reject the heretic. The word heretic means, in the original Greek, opinionated one, one that makes opinions over minor issues that have nothing to do with bringing profit to our brothers or sisters. And so it causes division in the body of Christ, and it feeds pride. So we as individuals need to repent of having a denominating mindset that denominates people that says, oh, this person's this way. And the prominent thing in our mind is the lacks that we see. We don't see the diamond beneath the rough. We see, oh, they're this way. And we cut them off instead of showing mercy to them. God is calling us to learn to love one another as he loved us and to receive one another as he received us. And he received us as sinners. And we are to also show such mercy to one another without condoning the sin, obviously. But being those that initiate reconciliation by being willing to admit our wrongs, even though the other may be far more wrong than us, that as Christ, we would humble ourselves and have the mind of Christ who humbled himself more than us mere creatures that we might become reconciled to him and be his corporate bride forever. May we learn to have such a love in our hearts for all of God's creation so that we can bring reconciliation and the oneness that Christ prayed about. God is calling us to conquer the walls of denominationalism corporately, that we will not be those that are holding on to our own nice comfort zone corporately and refuses to reach out to our brothers and sisters that see things different than us on those minor issues. May we be those that have humility to care for the other churches in the city and that can come together to be his house of prayer, his house of worship, and to recognize the authority that is raised up of God from that which is not. But those that want to project themselves as being apostles that are not apostles because the Spirit does not bear witness, nor do they have the demonstration of the Spirit and power, 
we can just show mercy to them and let them work that out and, and not make it an issue, whatever it is, until God shakes those things that are shakable and it becomes evident those that are truly walking in the love of God, in the humility of God, in the fear of God. Brothers and sisters, God is calling us as his people to rise up in this hour and to become his bride as never before. It starts when people begin to repent and start getting on their faces in humility before God and their churches and learning to start their church services that way. So many have prayer meetings and hardly anyone comes to a, why don't you just start making the church service itself a prayer meeting where you become conscious more of God in your midst than anything else of Christ walking in your midst. And when that happens, no flesh shall glory. The valleys shall be raised up, the mountains shall be brought down, the crooked places shall be made straight, and then all flesh shall see the glory of God. Yes, the Lord is calling his people because he is wanting to build up Zion. For when Zion is built up, it says that then the Lord shall suddenly appear in his glory. May we lift up those that are like valleys and trust God through our humility to bring down those that are like mountains. Those that have wildfire and behave in a way that is distracting from the reverence and awe of God, may he make those crooked places straight and those rough places smooth. God is calling his people to repent. May we repent and receive what he is calling us to do in this hour. God bless you all. This is a half-hour message, the first one which is cast by lots, trusting God and his sovereign power to lead to the right passages of Scripture. God bless you. Until the next message, look forward to sharing with you again. Thank you.